Welcome to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. Your host has lived an off-grid, sustainable lifestyle for over 20 years. His homestead is run on solar energy. He has an earth shelter greenhouse and produces much of his own food. And all of this takes place in the middle of the forest in Colorado. Now, let's join Patrick, the man that not only teaches the skills of sustainable living, but lives that life every day. Welcome back, everyone, to the Adventures in Sustainable Living podcast. This is your host, Patrick, and this is episode number 13, titled Fast and Fatal. Unfortunately, I think that we are all familiar, at least from a historical perspective, of the term genocide. And if you're listening to this episode and you're very young, perhaps you're not familiar with this term, but genocide is the killing of a large group of people from a particular nation or an ethnic group with the simple aim of destroying that nation or that ethnic group. So for example, even in the early times of Christopher, Christopher Columbus, attempts were made to wipe out the American Indians. And even in the early years, the death toll was estimated at about 10 million people. Another example in, is the Holocaust during World War II, when an estimated 6 million Jews were murdered. But you know, these are historical things that we don't in general like to discuss anymore. And while such things as this will certainly raise eyebrows and make you think that surely such a thing could never happen in modern times. But whether you realize it or not, the same thing is happening right now in our own country and in our own culture. And you want to know the real catch to the whole situation? It is actually voluntary. Yes, you heard me correctly. Voluntary genocide. This is the lifestyle that I call fast and fatal. And this lifestyle has significant negative effects on our health as well as on the environment. Now, there is one article that I found that referred to this problem as fast food genocide. And <clears throat> I found that term rather interesting, but present studies have shown that about 71% of Americans are either overweight or obese. That very same study revealed that as few as 2.7% of Americans actually engage in a healthy combination of eating well and getting regular exercise. But the challenge comes when, you know, we of course have to eat in order to live, but we also have choices. And again, the key to sustainability is simply making better choices. But the challenge that we're faced with is 
There is no way to separate our food production from the environment, of course. And additionally, the way that we produce and consume foods contributes to the climate change that we are now experiencing. That climate change, in turn, has a direct impact on our food production due to drought, extremes in heat and cold, floods, and even increased incidence of violent storms. So on one hand, we have to produce food to live, but that food production affects our environment in a negative way, at least the way we're doing it now, which makes food production even more difficult. So it becomes a vicious cycle. And as we start swirling the drain, so to speak, that cycle seems to increase in intensity. You know, it's almost similar to the fact that many folks on the Titanic were assured that it's all okay, yet the ship is still sinking. The same is so very true in our culture and with our fast food dilemma. You know, few people are really truly aware of the breadth and the depth of the problem at hand. And you know, there is something that I've said in a previous episode, and I will repeat it here. Uh, it, it should be obvious to my listeners by now that I really focus on living a sustainable lifestyle. But since I have started this podcast, the topics that I research and discuss are even changing the way that I live, simply because I learn more and more about what we are doing and how we are living. And I have to tell you, some of the things that I learn are really, truly scary and unsettling. But you know, one of the scary things I just found out is how much the fast food and restaurant industry has really truly changed our culture. On average, we now spend 61% of our food budget on restaurant food. And if that's not enough, there is the meal kit services. And while many of these meal kits are really truly designed to be a healthier choice as opposed to eating out, but you have to look at the bottom line, which is the cost. So on average, a meal kit is gonna cost roughly $7 per serving and with two people that comes out to be $1,260 a month and I spend less than half of that in a month to feed three people and we eat very very well so I have difficulty understanding why everyone eats so much fast food and restaurant food all the time when I cook at home all the time and do it very well, we eat very well, and we actually spend very little money. One thing that I commonly do, and it's simply because of how I work and how I've worked my career, is that I work in several different locations. And I know for a fact, because of my position, 
that I make at least twice as much money as the staff that I work with. Yet, I always take home-cooked meals and leftovers to work, and I see the staff commonly eating at least two meals a day of fast food. So I cannot even imagine what their food budget is. Yet, you know, the fast food industry is so popularized, and of course it's cheap, but at the same time, we are slowly committing voluntary genocide, and we don't even realize it. So, to hammer this point home a little bit more, let's just spend a couple of minutes here and talk about the effects of eating fast food. Weight gain, of course. Fast food and processed foods are filled with salt, sugar, and this, of course, results in weight gain. Yet, it is this added salt and sugar that makes the taste so appealing and perhaps it even has an addictive factor. But as I noted earlier, 71% of American adults are now overweight or obese, and additionally, one-third of the children between age 6 and 19 are also obese. Fast food, as I said before, you know, also results in the increased salt intake, and this can, of course, elevate your blood pressure and result in an increased frequency of headaches. And these things combined can also result in a greater instances of heart disease and stroke. And the simple fact is that fast foods and processed foods are loaded with empty calories and also what's called trans fats. These things can cause elevated cholesterol and increased blood pressure, which are two of the top risk factors for heart disease and stroke. Eating fast foods can also result in insulin resistance. Fast foods and processed foods are loaded with empty calories, as I said before. This can cause frequent spikes in blood glucose, which then can lead to insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes. Fast food may satisfy your hunger, but persistent consumption also has some other side effects that are not quite so appealing. People who eat fast food and processed foods regularly are actually 51% more likely to develop depression as compared to those who do not eat these foods at all or eat very little of them. So one of the bottom lines here is that there really truly seems to be a direct correlation between the increased incidence of obesity and the growth of the fast food industry in our culture. Since 1970, the number of fast food restaurants in our country has doubled. And since the 1970s, the rate of obesity in our country 
has more than doubled. Okay, enough of that business. So let's just talk some sheer facts here. The known reality is that most chronic diseases that afflict Americans are lifestyle related. The vast amount of heart attacks and strokes could be prevented if people would just simply develop and maintain a healthy lifestyle. And all that really means is eating better and getting regular exercise. It is currently believed that eating fast food and processed food actually kills more people prematurely than even smoking. And according to one study that I reviewed, a link may in fact exist between fast food, processed food, commercially baked goods and sweets, and the destruction of brain cells and lowering of your intelligence level. And if that's not enough, it gets even worse. If you combine the statistics between overweight and obese adults and children, the total in our population is actually over 80%. And of the few percent that are of normal weight, the majority of these so-called normal weight individuals are smokers, they suffer from alcoholism, drug addiction, and other dependencies. They may have autoimmune disease, chronic inflammatory disorders, digestive disorders, and multiple other things that have a tendency to lower their body weight. And there is a connection between eating refined foods, processed foods, fast foods, and mental illness. So, folks, I hope by now that you are starting to get the picture here. We have all this information available to us. All of these health professionals telling us not to do what we are doing, yet we are still going happily along and committing voluntary genocide. Now, if that's not enough, let's really focus now on the environmental effects of not only the fast food industry, but the total global effect of our food production. Because in the end, if you are not even concerned about your health, at least be concerned about the planet. Now, I'm really only going to hit on some of the highlights here because there, there really truly is just far too much inf information to convey in this, in this short episode. But I pulled some of this information from an article that is titled The Environmental Effects of Food Production. This article was actually first published in January 2020. So um, the information is current and, and is relevant. And I will have a link to this article, of course, in the transcript. Now, this article is really, it's very lengthy, but the information that it contains is really, truly startling. And if you want some sort of high-level view 
Um, this article contains a number of graphs and some other visual aids that really convey the information very quickly. Uh, and it may be well worth your time actually to just take 30 minutes or so out of your day just to, to view this article because it really was quite informative. So anyway, here we go. I'm going to quote some things directly from this article. Our global food production lies at the heart of tackling climate change, reducing water pollution, restoring forest and grasslands back to their natural state, and protecting wildlife. And here is why. Global food production accounts for about 26% of global greenhouse gas emissions. Half of the world's habitable land is actually used for agriculture. And of that agricultural land use, 77% is actually used for livestock. Yet, that livestock only provides 18% of the world's calories and 37% of the total protein. Now, one thing that this article did that I thought was interesting is that it looked, it looked at the comparison between the amount of meat produced and the calories produced and it compared it in a couple of different ways. So you can compare both land use per kilogram of food product and land use per calories produced in each product. And in both cases, lamb, mutton, and beef herds by far use more land and more resources than any other meat production. And, you know, and by the way, I was happy to see that poultry and egg products use only a small fraction of that land and resources because I, of course, do raise my own chickens and turkeys. But here is something else that was really, really interesting that I learned from this article. Um, you often hear that from a sustainable perspective that it is better to eat local. And I have even said this in, in some of my previous episodes about eating local and buying local and so forth. But it turns out that it's not really beneficial because what matters the most is what you eat and not necessarily where it comes from. And the reason for this is that the transportation of the food products actually results in only a very small percentage of the carbon emissions compared to the carbon emissions that result from producing the food in the first place. So what this means is that plant-based food products and meat products such as pork and poultry have a far less environmental impact than beef and mutton. So the bottom line is that if you want to reduce your carbon footprint of your food, then focus more on what you eat and not whether the food is actually local. Now, I know that goes against so much of what we've all heard, but I can't have to tell you this was even a learning issue for me. So 
the reality here is that meat-based food production is not going to go away anytime soon. So we have to figure out ways to mitigate the environmental impact of that meat production. Now, another interesting statistic from this article is that 70% of the global freshwater is actually used for agriculture. And again, if you look at water usage needed to produce a pound of protein or a specific unit of calorie production, pork, poultry, and egg, as well as plant-based products, all use far fewer resources. 78% of ocean and freshwater contamination is caused by agriculture. 94% of the global mammal biomass, excluding humans, is actually livestock. And what this means is that livestock outweigh wild animals by a factor of 15 to 1. And according to the World Wildlife Federation, there are 28,000 species evaluated to be threatened with extinction and it is agriculture and aquaculture that poses a threat to 24,000 of those species. So the bottom line here is really twofold. Obviously, as I've already stated from above, that fast food and processed foods are bad for your health, but it is also the production of these foods that creates a significant environmental impact. But on the other side of the coin, the positive changes here are also twofold. Simply adopting a more nutritious and healthy diet is better for your health and it is also better for the environment. Numerous studies published, including those published by the United Nations, obviously point out that eating more of a plant-based foods is healthier and it also leads to sustainable agriculture and helps to prevent further environmental degradation. And in those studies, they point out that foods that have the lowest environmental impact are whole grains, nuts, vegetables, fruits, legumes, and olive oil was also high on the list. And it is these very foods that are associated with improved health. On the opposite end of the spectrum, foods that lead to detrimental health conditions such as obesity, heart attack, stroke, and premature death are, of course, fast foods, processed foods, and red meat. In so many ways, all the junk food and fast food and refined or processed foods that we consume daily is voluntary genocide. And once again, 
This is the lifestyle that I call fast and fatal. So with all of this bad news that I've now heaped on your head, the question remains, how do we actually change this? So first of all, from a practical perspective, the global production of meat from the cattle industry is not going to stop. It's not going to stop anytime soon. And in fact, it may not even be practical to stop it because of the simple economic effects that it may have on certain countries. But there are forms of beef that are actually more sustainable than others. For example, the dairy cattle that are slaughtered for meat production have served a dual purpose. That being the production of milk, of course, and other dairy products, as well as the meat. But the bottom line is, obtaining your protein from meat does in fact have the greatest environmental impact. But a core, but it just depends to a certain degree where you get your meat from. You know, as I've stated before, pork, poultry, and eggs uh, production have the lowest impact. But you can also add more protein into your diet from plant sources because the agriculture required to produce plant-based proteins has significantly less impact. And, you know, if that doesn't sound very attractive to you, it's actually not very difficult to do uh, to add a small amount of meat to a plant-based protein in order to produce a complete protein or a balanced protein source. And not that I'm interested in being a vegetarian, but that is what a lot of vegetarians and a lot of vegans do is they balance their proteins and they eat a variety of things. Um, which brings me to my next point. Just simply adding more variety to your diet can have a significant impact. Because, and I know this probably sounds hard to believe, but 75% of the world's food supply actually only comes from 12 plants and 5 animal species. And when you really think about that, this lack of variety in agriculture is not only bad for the environment, but it is also bad for our food security. So greater diversity in our diets it's not only healthier but also adds to the variety in agriculture now at this point you might be thinking about eating fish the thing to consider there is that just make sure the fish is sourced responsibly and remember aquaculture is actually one of the um sources of protein production that actually threatens a lot of endangered species. One simple thing that we can all do is cut our food waste. Now I know I've discussed this in one of my previous episodes that the amount of food that is wasted in the United States actually comes to about one-third of our total food supply. And of course the next tip is just pass on the plastic and 
You know, I know I probably beat this over and over again, beat this subject over and over again, but taking reusable shopping bags to the supermarket, uh, change to products that use less plastic packaging, and maybe even make some of your products at home and avoid those plastics altogether. One other easy tip is to eat seasonally. So whenever possible, eat fruits and vegetables that are locally grown. This minimizes your environmental impact and remember, remember that eating meat produced locally still has a significant impact on the environment. But you can also avoid all of that by growing your own food. And this is the reason that I have a 600 square foot greenhouse at 10,000 feet elevation because depending on the season, we spend a significant amount of time working on producing our own food. And of course, stop eating fast food. I know it is a convenience, but the very production of the resources that go into fast food has a huge impact on our environment. And not only that, if you add in the transportation, the emissions produced during preparation and the constant waste production from takeout food is enormous. Not to mention all the detrimental health effects of eating fast food. One other tip here is simply cook meals at home. Now, I know what a lot of you are going to say, oh, I am too busy, and that is the excuse that I hear all the time. But, you know, when I was going through my doctorate program, oftentimes I was at the teaching hospital from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on top of that, I was constantly studying at home. And even after graduation, for a number of years, because I was so poor, I was working 60, 70 plus hours a week, yet during that time, I seldom ate restaurant food. So the excuse of I'm too busy, I don't think is really valid because you can plan your day accordingly in order to cook meals at home and eat leftovers instead of fast food. Okay, my last tip. Get online and search for an app that focuses on sustainability. A quick search of just the topic sustainability apps will bring up a number of options for you. And a lot of these apps can evaluate hundreds, if not thousands of different products and rate those products based on their sustainability. And you know, in fact, maybe that should be one of your challenges for this week is just download a sustainability app to your phone and just use it whenever you go to the supermarket or the farmer's market or when you're out on a shopping excursion and just test it out and hopefully it will point you in the right direction of taking one more step toward sustainability. Now, in closing... You know, all the things I've stated and talked about above, I'm sure that some of you have 
questions about well, what it is that you do. So I'll kind of just answer a few quick questions, but you know, perhaps you're wondering, do I eat fast food or do I eat restaurant food? Well, yes, I do, but it is maybe once a month, if that. You, well, you might be wondering if I'm a vegetarian. Well, absolutely, I'm not a vegetarian, and I have no desire to be a vegetarian. But, you know, I actually grew up with two working farms in the family, and I do raise my own chickens and turkeys. You might also be wondering, do I eat beef? Yes, I do eat beef. I truly enjoy, and one of my favorite meals, of course, is a really big, juicy, tasty steak. But that is only once a month, maybe twice a month, when I used to eat beef almost every single day. Plus, we do raise our own chickens and turkeys, and of course we have tons of eggs. And our, so a good portion of our meat actually comes from those sources, as well as elk and venison. So we really truly do not consume that much beef anymore. And certainly, as I have stated in past podcast episodes, that despite how and where I live, I am, of course, I am not perfect, but I have also stated that even I am learning more and more about all the implications of sustainability as I research and produce these episodes. It's really, truly astounding how much I am learning, and I thought I was really good at it, but I am learning there is so much more that I can do so I, I kind of look at it from, oh, let's say a zero-waste lifestyle. If you decided to have a zero-waste lifestyle, that's not going to happen tomorrow. You know, your conversion or process of converting to that lifestyle is probably going to take about a year because it's, a, it's an enormous learning process. And that is the same thing with sustainability. Despite what I've been doing for 20 plus years now, I'm still learning more. But the important point is that as I learn something, I incorporate it into my lifestyle. So in closing, folks, remember, once again, I'm going to have links to numerous resources for further reading that's going to be in the transcript of this episode. And I think I probably have maybe six or eight articles that you can search out and read. So remember, folks, this fast and fatal lifestyle that we have, it is not sustainable. And the effects of that lifestyle are twofold. Bad health and environmental degradation. But it is possible, folks, to build a better future by simply choosing one of the tips that I have provided above and incorporate that into your lifestyle. And of course, don't forget to download that sustainability app. Okay, folks, I think that is it for now. And once again, I hope you have enjoyed this episode and 
If you enjoyed the material that I present, then please subscribe to my podcast, The Adventures in Sustainable Living, as well as my blog, offgridlivingnews.com. This is your host, Patrick, signing off for now. Remember, always live sustainably because this is how we build a better future.